Hey everybody, welcome to Growing With Fishes podcast episode 99. This week we have Brendan and Aura from Spectrum King. Awesome lights. Uh, I got some loop, hold on. Yes, I noticed. <laughs> Sorry about that. I have had major audio issues, as you guys know, for a little while. <laughs> it's only been about. Sorry. Yeah, I just—it's been a while. Finally, troubleshooted a lot of it today, which is why my end sounds a lot better. So, um, we also have Marty. Hey guys, what's going on? We got Mr. Green Jeans. What's up, everybody? We got Roger. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Happy growing. <laughs> so, so uh, Brendan and Or, what's new with you guys since the last time you guys have been on? It's been quite a while. I know you guys have been up to quite a few different things now. That would be a whole lot of stuff. I'll, I'll try to keep it simple. Um, oh, you don't have to. The new local series of fixtures, which we have local veg, which is out, and we have local flower, which is coming out. Um, that's for you know vertical farming guys or lower ceiling guys that need lights that can blast without uh, burning your plants. We have completely even coverage at you know six to twelve inches away. So three, four foot tall plants with these things, no problem. And we have control systems. We have high voltage systems. We have four eighty volt three phase input. You can get you can run you know our SK six hundred twos in greenhouses with no power supplies on them. You can run. At 480 watts, we have each shelf does 24,000 watts. You can run 40 lights in each shelf unit with sunrise, sunset. You can put sensors in there. It's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, you know, we, we have a lot of capabilities built in. You know, right now, the software is still young, but right now, it does sunrise, sunset, and we just do your basic timers. Um, eventually, we'll be adding in uh, daylight harvesters or uh, if you're in a greenhouse. And you set a certain car limit to the canopy. Uh, let's say you set a thousand par. Uh, the sun comes out and you reach the thousand par. So your lights will automatically dim down so that way you're, you're saving energy. Um, we're incorporating these smart controls to, to more than you know, bringing the ROI for the LED into the overall system. Um, we're also coming out with uh, propagator lights, uh, even. Uh, even new lights for uh, greenhouses, specifically greenhouse bars. Um, so you, you've got the, we're going to have some Zigbee modules, and we're going to do software for that too. So, yeah, we've been busy all in the workshop for sure. That's why we've been quiet. So, um, I know you guys have had a, a new greenhouse fixture, I think, since the last time you guys were on. Do you guys want to talk about that? Because I know there's a lot of people that are excited or moving towards greenhouses that that would help out a lot. Well, we've got the SK602GH, which is an all-white SK602. You can get it from any voltage from 120, and then it even works up with our 40 volt three-phase systems. Um, we're moving an F-ton of those. I think that's the technical term. And then um, we're working on a new one. We have some new, whatever to call the greenhouse blades that um, I'm guessing those are probably a quarter or six months out if we get them right, but... We never stop tinkering. Every problem someone offers or says, we, we'd like to get this solved, but we don't have an answer for it. We want to come up with a solution for it. And because, you know, we can't help it. We're nerds at heart. We want to make people grow better. We'll try to solve any problem that we can get our hands on that makes sense to us that we can find a solution to. So 
as long as it's cost effective and gets the job done, it works. We're happy, so we keep doing it. You know, the, the reason why we chose white uh, for the greenhouse unit was uh, specifically because uh, you know white is more uh, reflected, uh, less absorption, it doesn't absorb, uh, you know, absorb less heat than black. Yeah, uh, solar radiation makes a big difference. So if you have a highly reflective white surface, you can mitigate that and extend the life of the fixture a lot more. Uh, if you have 480 volt power uh, in three phase, which most of these uh, greenhouses, commercial greenhouses do, um, you know, you're, you're talking about removing a seven to eight pound power supply off each fixture. So imagine what that's going to do. You're Right. You have a 10,000 square foot greenhouse and you're supplementing coverage uh, 10 by 10 area. I mean, just do the math. That's, that was in lights. That's, that's, that's 8,000 pounds. You just took off your, your support system that it doesn't need to hold anymore. Not only that, all that excess heat you can do 24,000 watts with, uh, or sorry, you can do, um, uh, uh, you can do 74,000 watts with only one ton of AC. Basically, when you think of the surface area in the metal that the power supply heat it creates, the rest of the fixture absorbs that and dissipates it. When the power supply is no longer on the unit and only the light engine's own heat generates comes up, it never gets past lukewarm or, or warm. It never gets hot. The, the fixture at all, when you're in a greenhouse, that sheer volume of space you have, you literally probably don't ever have to use it other than you know, your conventional north-facing swamp coolers and so forth in your greenhouses. Um, there's less residual heat exponentially reduced. Um, and think of it this way. If you plug in a, uh, any fixture at 240 volt in a grow site, you're talking about a double-ended bulb that's running at 11 or 50 watts. You're, you're talking about at 245, 6 amps per fixture. You run RSK602GH on our 40-volt three-phase system, you're pulling 0.71 amps per light. So even with safety, it's just one amp per light. That's so crazy. Your load balancing is, is exponent. I mean, it's, it's huge. Your, your, your infrastructure wires, you could run each group of five lights, just standard 12 gauge wire to one JV and then chain off to those lights. So you're, you're, think of all the outlets when guys run 277, for example, greenhouses in the past. You can put a light conduit, heavy gauge wire to every single outlet for every single fixture. With this, you put one JV and you want a stinger to five lights. Next row, five lights. So your infrastructure outlay is drastically reduced, as well as your power loads. Big thing. That's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's that's a lot of reduction. One last point on this is that uh, you know most most LED power supplies are eighty nine percent efficient. Our uh, our our power supply for the SK six hundred two is ninety two percent efficient, which is you know pretty pretty valuable, right? Another increase. It's, it's, it's exponential reward. Yeah, it's, it's an increase, you know, above everyone else, but uh, as far as the IHP, the high-powered system, that's 98% efficient. So what it would take our SK602 to do at, you know, 640 watts, this can do at 600 watts. Getting the same amount of light and saving that much more power. So, you know, you're, and the more efficient you get, the less heat you create, the more light we get. So it's, 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 it's a pretty cool balance. And... Those who take these for test drives, we started, we launched them actually last year very quietly. We had some test areas that we went, you know, into and checked every possible 
negative scenario, what could happen, this, that, and the other thing. And once we got them dialed in, guys got quiet. We thought, well, what's going on? What's going on? And it's the things just work, <laughs> which is the beauty of it, you know? Yeah, so you have these um, these new lights you're talking about for vertical. Is that those are thinner, smaller lights, or like a, more like rack lighting kind of thing? Yeah, correct. You, you're talking about a, a fixture from top to bottom is like two and a half inches thick. You know, and think of it as having blades on a, on a tight H frame so that they can mount it. Or if you're mounting directly, you can just mount the blades themselves. Um, when you do a remote power system, we can have a harness. That shoots down a whole line of blades and powers them all to one one junction box. So, and if you're doing a vertical form racking scenario, if you're just going in a four by four area at home, you just stick it in there and it covers a four by four and you're done. Yeah. Um, when you're when you guys are talking about vertical, just to be clear, you're not talking about the light being vertical. You're talking about stacking it vertically. So you. Yeah, yeah, well, just to clarify, I already knew what you guys are talking about, but I think it's a little confusing for people listening. Because a lot of times in aquaponics, especially, we talk about vertical, um, you know, plants and stuff like that, and you know, that's not really what we're talking about here. So we're talking about in commercial applications, we want to be able to put multiple stacks of plants in one warehouse and have a small amount of head space. And, and farmers that's two, three levels up, you know, they'll have like three, five foot shelves in, in a warehouse, or if you have uh, your leafy green people, that have you know anywhere from six to fifteen layers. So it just comes down to what each shelf height is going to be, what intensity right. you need, and so forth. So we dial in as to the crop you're working with and the space you have. So so I, you guys have worked with a lot of different, you want to talk about some of the different crops that you guys have worked with and, and done a lot of light work, you know, light data and work with? Well, um, the, the beauty of it is the more people we reach out to, the more things we're exposed to, the more stuff we learn. So... For example, certain types of kale want a slightly different bit of light than certain lettuce. And, you know, you, a lot of guys try to do a one-size-fits-all light, and they always want to make a light that works for across the board. Well, plants will grow with any photon energy they can get. But if you give them, if you will, the buffet the way they like it, the light blended the way they want it, you get better results from your plants. So the more crops we learn more about, obviously we started very heavily in cannabis, as you guys know, and got extremely serious on getting that right. And we're still obsessing over it. And when I recently came up with in our new low pros, I'm really stoked because special sauce got special herb. <laughs> so for cannabis, I'm really happy. Um, leafy greens, I'm happy getting better at it because we have more people coming forth with it. And there's a lot of urban farming going on. It's, it's really changing. That's awesome to hear you're working with a lot of different urban farming groups. So what what price range are those thinner rack lights that you're talking about now? Well, those new ones, are, the blades, are, I think you called them. The local veg, if you're talking about home plug-in unit, is the same price as the SK402, so that's $849. If you were looking at a local flowering unit, um, you know, which lasted 4 by 4 Completely evenly with with more intensity than other no yeah, picture. I mean, you do that at, 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 like at a foot, you're getting like a thousand. No, it was uh, nine hundred. Yeah. So if, unless you're going, you know, if you're going sensitive OGs, you put the thing eighteen inches up. Otherwise, you're going to keep it a foot over your plants and just ride it up. And those are the same price as the SK six O twos. 
Love for Flower is $1,495 like ESK602. Cool. Awesome. No, that's that's really cool to finally have some really low profile lights for those kind of situations. Yeah, and uh, another thing, um, the, uh, the, the powder coated antimicrobial, so you know, for anything, very easy to clean and maintain. You can spray with a hose like any other outdoor stuff, and no creepy coles or bacteria will form on them. Because what we saw with some other people's fixtures that were not IP rated or safe is that. After a while, I mean, they got kind of funky. You know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. There was uh, less than pleasant mold and mildew things kind of growing on outside of the fixtures because there was a surface available for them to, to habitate. And some moisture settled up there, and boom, there they were. If you work with, a, as we mentioned, an antimicrobial surface, they just don't go there. Well, you guys also have a good design, too, that helps if you're using beneficial insects that helps them kind of fall through it and, and not stay in the fixture. I know that um, Fish Ganja Guy did a comparison with your light against another company, and it ended up collecting so much that it ended up, you know, being a borderline fire hazard. And people forget about that, especially when they dump lots of ladybugs if they're using halides and, and other things like that. It can really build up and um, and and be actually a fire hazard. I've seen it. <laughs> I now plug exoskeleton will spark a blaze. Yes, yes, sir. And you keep in mind that the bulb is running at over 600 degrees Fahrenheit, so it can light anything on fire. <laughs> um, when you're talking about the surface area of the metal of our LEDs and its passive cooling, we left the channels big enough so it's really easy to wash and clean. There are other fixtures that may be passively cooled, but they're not easy to clean and they're not IP rated, so it's kind of hard to do that. You make it IP65 rated, you can spray with the hose when it's on or off, it doesn't care, and it just drips right through and runs off, no buildup. Yeah, that's why I like those a lot, especially for the greenhouse application. It makes a lot of sense because sometimes you forget to leave the louvers open and shit like that, and you know you can fry your lights pretty quick if you in that kind of scenario. Or have it, you know, the new employee leaves the louvers open and then get a rainstorm and your lights are on at night, and you know the it just explodes. Come back to an arc welder. What what that big dispensary? It just happened to one of the big grows in Northern California. They lost like two hundred eighty thousand square feet. That was uh, that was. Uh... They're running double in the bulbs. That happened. What you just described. Yeah, um, I'm drawing a blank. If I can remember it, I'll say it again later. But I, we just read it. Yeah, well, one thing that I think is interesting too is that you know, like it opens up a whole nother level of beneficial insects. Like Steve was just talking about, you know, flying insects when you try to use them indoors with those high powered lights. You just turn them into bug zappers. You're you like you're just watching your money fly into the lights and nope. burn up. You know, so it, it really allows you to do that. Yeah, I've seen that happen to me too when I tried beneficials the first time indoors, flying into the lights. Yeah, because the infrared of the ball blurs them. It's like they see the infrared and they go towards it. Right, right, and it, and then it's so hot they just you know melt, they make a mess, and you, they don't eat anything, <laughs> which is what you know, like ultimately what you buy them for, and so. Uh, yeah, and I think that um, when you go LED, it just allows you to use any sort of flying beneficial insect, whereas if you have those high-powered lights, they're just going to fly right to the lights, be attracted to it, and fall down and die. So, you know, it's just not effective. <clears throat> very, very valid point. I would interject that, that not a, any LED. I have some LEDs that have fans on them, and they love to suck those bugs right in them. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it would be difficult, I think, to get an, an IP rated unit with a fan. That was the problem with the comparison. That was the problem that with the comparison that Fish did between Spectrum King. I believe it was actually Black Dog. We didn't mention that earlier. And not to put Black Dog down, but they had fans, and that was his big thing that the fans sucked them, just became full of bugs. You know, and that's what that's one thing he hated about that. And I believe you, you the lights that he tested of yours, Brandon, were in order that were passive, right? You don't have fans, correct? Yeah. So, so, um, so you guys recently put out an article, it's um, like WTF uh, par. Um, so do you guys want to talk about that about high par numbers and and how people cheat? I know I've seen. Uh, I know how some of them angle all the panels and all, you know, some of the other cheats they do because well, you had a really cool video on it. Well, just, you know, Rami and I for years have been saying, you know, the world is not PAR-centric in your plants. PAR is in the be-all, end-all. When you look at what PAR is, it measures the visible spectrum. Why? Because certain manufacturers look better that way because we don't see the negative side of their bulbs, for example. But... We always said, let's measure what the range that plants actually use. And then we showed you that there's a weighted, energy-weighted curve of the bandwidths of light, where certain bandwidths are weighed more heavily than others. That doesn't mean you'll get better plants. That simply means the sensor measures them with more ease than other bandwidths of light. So if I push specific bandwidth ranges really high in the reds, I'll have these phenomenal PAR numbers, but that does not mean phenomenal plant growth under it. It just looks good as a number on paper. People will say, look at these numbers. These numbers are great. Well, PAR ain't all that in the bag of chips. You can, you can trick PAR with, with green LED light. Trick it with blue, certain amount of blue. I mean, and blue's not weighted properly. So even if you have the right amount of blue in your fixture and you have a balanced structure of light, if, for example, natural sunlight has everything in it, it's not weighted the same as these sensors measure. So when these guys figured out, these other manufacturers, what specific reds made the meters read higher, they just put a ton of that in their fixtures. The problem is that when you're in that range, plants tend to stretch quite a bit. So you'll see some of these other LEDs where even, a, even an indica that should be a bush will look kind of stretchy and flimsy because those bandwidths have made the, the plants reach up for it. It's, it's because it's because plants look for intensity first, spectrum second. If they're not getting the right intensity, then they're pretty much just trying to search for it. They're trying to go up and search for it. And that's why uh, plants are stretchy when you have uh, high doses of red light. Similar to like a plant in the shade that thinks it can grow towards the sun and find it, basically. Like it knows it's alive, but it should be better, right? I mean, that's ultimately what we're talking about. Plants want to grow. You give them some photon energy, they'll work it. But if you give them the right photon energy, that's when it really gets interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting that somehow the plant, in, you know, like realizes that it's not getting its full potential, right? And however it knows, I don't know, maybe Steve or some of these other guys know more about genetics and plants than they do, but... For, for bigger leaves too. I think I think you know plants growing in the shade they they compensate it. I've noticed by you know just making a bigger leaf <laughs> simply. They try to one. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, it makes it make, makes a lot of sense. I mean, what you're saying. I mean, it, it, you know that because uh, I I've I've definitely noticed that the same clone, you know, a, cl a clone grown in the full sun compared to the, the shade. Exactly what Marty's saying. This exact same plant, you know, it's compensating by changing its shape, you know, making its leaves bigger, so it can do more photosynthesis. So it makes sense that if you if you have a, a red shifted light, um, I've always thought that HPSs were were red shifted, and that plants act as if they're in the shade under a high pressure sodium, which is weird because you think it's real bright, but the plant seems to think it's in the shade. Because they don't have the right balance of spectra, that's the thing. When you have that that spike there and all that infrared, yeah, like you said, that's why Skywalker OG was so you know crazy. It well, used to chase the light. Well, no, I mean it's like it's like uh, you know when when people use cool. the twenty seven hundred Kelvin, they use that for effects. It's like why would you do that? Because the plant is just going to try to stretch up for the light. It's not the right spectrum for the plant. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that it knows somehow knows like not just that whatever it's getting just should be, but the difference between like being completely happy and just growing normal growth, and, and not and somehow realizing that you know the plant having some sort of intelligence to know that over there there could be a brighter sun, whereas one that's just in the sun will grow normally. Like, how does it know to expect a different environment? I think it's fascinating. Just like you were born, you know, to to be a, a roughly a certain size, but had you had a different diet and lived in a different environment, you would be a slightly different shape yourself. Um, right. So it, it's 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 really interesting the whole genetics. You know, you can you can take the same strain and make it look like two different strains simply by changing the light source over it and the diet you feed it. The plants have photoreceptors. That's where they harvest photons. And keep in mind. Photons to a plant is like a beverage to us. That's their food. That's a big right. and how they process everything else they pull up through the roots. So like they're, smoothie. they're going to take any photons they can get, but when you give them the right photons, they go on the junky diet and the plant develops thicker and stronger. The leaves get smaller and they get tighter node spacing. That's when you know you've given them the sauce they want to eat. You, you know, when you grow your favorite plants outside and you take them inside. Most guys will double take it. Is this, you sure you took the right cut? Because this does look like a different plant. When you get the right spectrum, they start looking very similar. Right. Yeah. So, what are some um, problems you're seeing with people when you when you're helping them lately? And then, what are some of the maybe misconceptions you're hearing a lot lately, or questions you guys are getting a lot? You know, maybe in the last six months to a year. Some more common issues or questions. Um, actually, one of the common things, with thankfully, it's getting much easier to deal with. I've seen an, an exponential acceptance of VPD charts. A year ago, when I told people about VPD, they told me basically, you know, a large portion of old school HBS guys told me I was completely full of shit. Didn't know what I was talking about. You've never grown plants before. You're your mold, your mildew, yada yada. And I said, "Do you understand? Oh, do you want me to run my room?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we got them. Them. Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> like, yeah. Your plants doing this? Yeah. Or are they doing this? Right. Are they Mine are doing this? Yeah. 
And when I explained to people that, and I gave them a couple caveats in reference to why it's this way under LED, they're now aware of there are successful grows by LED and more people are posting good clips that they don't fight me as much. I used to get guys really angry coming at me hot, telling me I don't know what I'm doing. Now they're going, hey man, how does that work and why? And I love it when someone wants to learn something and they're actually curious, not, not you know combative about it. Then other guys go, hey man, all I did was follow what B said and look at my plants. I'm not going to complain with that when I take a guy who's a veteran who's never going to plant his life and calls me and says, hey man, I, I just want to grow my own medicine. I don't know what I'm doing. And I walk him through it. I send him my VPD chart with notes, distances, climate, temperature you want to do. Just give him the basic variables. And our last grow up, growers challenge, the second prize winner is one of my trained veterans on his first crop. So yes, it can be done by anybody that wants to listen, man. That's great. You know, I've found that a lot. I do. I have a Patreon account for aquaponic cannabis and I do it for free for all any vets who want to do it. So if, if you're watching this video, do you want help? Give, give me a shout out. I'll give you free access. But what I found with all of them across the board is they're fantastic at like just taking the information and running with it. You know, like they'll ask, you know, really valid questions that you know really don't want to waste your time so my experience with them has has been great and and i feel like they're successful because they you know they're they're at that place where they just you know they want to uh to take up that information and use it and 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 seeing them have success is like just yeah. so much fun it's great like there's there's really nothing else that compares to it it's pretty cool we've been pretty fortunate we've have been able to help a lot of veterans and it is a very cool thing like you said when you see someone's personality change, they're happier, they're doing something, they start helping other veterans, it's a good thing. Very good. Selfies with you know with their plants and stuff and <clears throat> smoking their plants and and yeah, and you know, it doesn't always you know, I, I don't think that, that you know, like maybe they don't get the right strain at first or whatever, you know, but they're they always have, you know, some benefit from from doing it, even if you know, like maybe it doesn't like perfectly help their PTSD. I feel like even just the method of gardening and all that stuff really helps out. And they all vocalize that too, like just being with the plants and, and taking care of them and nurturing them <clears throat> and, and being a part of that process. And then they get the right strain. Like I have a couple of guys now that are like four or five runs deep and they've, you know, they're, they're finding out different things that work for them and understanding there's such a variety, like there's no, cannabis doesn't work for me unless you smoke like 1200 strains and you know i'm just not gonna buy that off the top you know what i'm saying and so a lot of these guys have come to that realization too and found like real success in growing their own meds and treating themselves with them and that's like it's just really cool or cancer patients another another one you know right along that same line i had a lady contact me uh, one of her family members had gotten sick and they wanted to grow their own meds to help them through chemo. And uh, I've had that that same scenario come up a couple of times. And that's just, it's really gratifying to have that that sort of like, just the pics that come back, the feedback. It, it's so much fun. So, you know, if you have an opportunity to, you know, for you seasoned guys that are listening, because I know a lot of you guys are growers that are, that are listening. If you've got somebody that needs help, and it's a it's almost a selfish thing that it's so much fun like when you see them producing and all that like it, it'll be more than worth it so help them out if you got them 
I mean, it's like having your kids take a poop for the first time, honestly. It's, I don't have any kids, but I have nephews. And, you know, I'll, I'll have, you watch a poop, have, you sick bastard. Hey, listen, I got my brother saying, hey, man, look at my kids' poop. Look at my kids' poop. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like first steps, you know. <laughs> we have the same kind of thing on the forum where we've got a butt of the month contest, and it's been so pleasurable when you're talking about how you feel when you teach a guy on his first grow because you have to buy our genetics to enter the contest. And when you grow them out, and we teach them how to grow, and we had uh, two times we've had a first time grower, first his first grow, win the freaking contest. Like you said, you had a competition, and to have a amateur, you know, like the first time growing, and the guy wins by the vote of the entire community. You know, it wasn't judging. It was a, a vote by everybody in the community. And that is very rewarding, like you said, you know. What would, hell you, of a job. What yeah. would you say if I told you that the person who won the second prize had one plant with 109 colas on it? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I have time. Let's do it. Let's search it out. We did. That's great. Nice. So, what are what are some of the other um, the other things that you've seen people running into, or maybe weird questions or problems you've seen people have that, and then come to you guys for? Well, um, there's a large portion of people out there who refuse to read, and they just want to call and ask. So, you know, like the hanging distance, proper hanging distance of the light, it's hanging on a tag off the light, but they'll call us. And me being me, I'll say, you see that? Did you just bring the light out of the box? Yeah, you see that red and white thing hanging off it? Why don't you take a look at it? Yeah. You know, uh, one, <laughs> one of the problems that I actually just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing I'm running into it again. Um, a lot of the, uh, the customer base out there, a lot of the, the, the people looking to, uh, you know, get anywhere between 100 to 200 fixtures, they don't know that they can get rebates now. You have PG&E getting uh, offering rebates. You have, uh, oh yeah? yeah, yeah. You know, you have XL Power in Colorado. In Colorado um, you know, Black Hills. Washington. You have Puget Sound. You know, you have you have companies now offering rebates uh, for LED lighting in horticultural applications. No, I know um, Josh was working with a company uh, where they'll buy the lights and uh, and then like lease them to you for the cost of the rebate difference or whatever do you guys ever work with anybody like that or is that something that you guys have heard of we've had some people that like do research and or do rebate research for customers because like people never know who their power company is or they don't know exactly what we'll get find out but some of the companies we talked to were kind of dipping into people that we were comfortable with doing to people Dude, so. i mean we'll just do the work well, honestly all, all we need is your zip code and, and, and who, who, who's your company and we'll, we'll dig into it. We'll let you know if there's rebates or not and what you need to do and what form you need to and that's it. Well, that's so awesome. The company, it would be cool for you guys to hook up with, actually. Um, it's a company that's local here where I'm from. It's called Grower Rebates. And and what they'll do is, for the customer, me, I, you know, I'm the grower, they'll uh, put the upfront money so I don't have to cover, you know, the, the upfront cost, 100, 120 grand, 220 grand. And, they, and I just had to pay the rebate cost. Um, and, wow. and they run, run the whole program. 
that's very similar to what we did yeah. in the uh, in the commercial lighting uh, industry when we did you know right uh, in our bright light side because aside from spectrum cleaning we have a you know commercial lighting side for homes uh, you know offices and field you know, lighting. If you have a link to that, share it, man. I'll, I'll, do, I'll yeah. dig into it to see what what areas they're willing to work with, et cetera, et cetera. If that can help somebody, that's amazing. You know, Please, yeah. No, for sure. Like I, I had actually called you guys. I don't remember who I talked to when I was doing my thing, but at the time you guys didn't have a didn't have a greenhouse fixture available um, yeah yeah it was it was about that time exactly and so i, I thought it was cool that you said that <laughs> and then try to you know because <laughs> i ended up buying an indoor fixture that someone sold me for a greenhouse <laughs> wow well you know it, it was probably your phone call that got me mad enough and or mad enough to go make a damn greenhouse fixture so thanks for that call <laughs> <laughs> right on. oh yeah it wasn't the only one Always wanting to accommodate. The greenhouse is being built out here. Let's just say yeah. it was definitely a strategic move by you guys. I think it was very, very intelligent and uh, and, and probably in demand. I'm sure, it, you know, like you guys in the past have always, you know, talked about like listening to growers and what they want and trying to figure out the math of how to make it work or, or the science, as it were. I got my, brought my science cup for you guys tonight. That's one of the biggest questions I get all the time, too, is how you know these outdoor growers how can i supplement would it be a good idea to add like we've talked all about waking your plants up and putting them to sleep on the show with you guys before but I, I still get that all the time outdoor grower i want to add light you know you know to my outdoor grow what should i do what kind of lights and all that stuff you know and it's a tough question because you got so much going on out there you know yeah and, and when to supplement i think that's one thing that you know like we get asked, I get asked about a lot, or, or maybe it gets overlooked a lot too, because, um, you know, like when does it make sense to supplement light out outdoors is, you know, like it's a, <laughs> it's highly debated, but it, it's definitely something I think you should look up some information on if you're going to be supplementing light outdoors in a greenhouse. Um, you know, when you provide the light is, is pretty important, especially if you're trying to keep plants in veg or, <clears throat> put them in the flower, you know, like all those things are pretty important. And uh, <clears throat> we had um, a, a grow here locally that didn't think that through. And what was trying to uh, finish an early harvest and math didn't turn out right. And obviously everything started to re-veg and caused lots of problems. <laughs> so just be aware if you are going to supplement at different times, if you're trying to, you know, you still have to remember how, the length of day and nighttime that you're dealing with um, as you supplement that light. And then it's more, it's more so the length of night than the day because the plants can only detect length of night. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brennan. No, that's correct. That is correct. Well, I can say that, but maybe not, you weren't asking me. But, yeah, it's all the night about the night, the dark period, not the light period. Actually, Brennan, can you explain that a little bit about that, the hormone buildup? Do you know much about that? I'm sure you do. When you look, you're looking outside of sunrise and sunset. That's why we were so big on sunrise and sunset with our system, because plants react differently, wake up, and start acting faster and go to sleep better if you give them a sunrise and a sunset. But if you think about it when you're growing outdoors, when the sun first comes up in the morning, it's that really reddish orange, you know? So we're hitting the bluish white around 10, 30, 11, and you get that really high at noon, you know, you're at a, you know, with 5,500 Kelvin or so, depending on where you are in the world. And then at the end of the day, it goes back down to that 2,100 or so when it's sunrise, you get the sunset. If you 
understand that and can can bring your light up gently and your light has those bandwidths in it not just a single point like an hbs has doesn't really have the bandwidth that help plants wake and go to sleep so it's like if you were laying in bed and someone walked up and punched you to get you to go get up running to go to work you'll get up angry but you'll be confused as you know it's the same with plants you turn the lights on it takes them two hours to figure out what the hell just happened because you haven't eased them out of that deep sleep and then triggered them to go to sleep so when you're playing with the your 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 day length you have to make sure you get them tonight properly there's just the hearts like lights on then lights off it takes them two hours to figure out what's happening with lights on and it takes you two hours to figure out what happened when the lights went off four four you got four right there <laughs> there's a beauty to sunrise and sunset and this particular bandwidth of light triggered to activate the plant to wake and go to sleep faster and easier with less stress basically what it comes down to right and so when your plants are all the way awake and you want to extend the daytime for instance then in my experience i've always tried to extend it after they are already awake and then try to shut it down so that they can get a little bit of twilight and that's what i'm trying to extend so i get a longer veg time so maybe i planted late or you know just the the place that i'm at i want to or, or maybe i had an early harvest and so that's why i planted late but anyway if you're trying to extend the the plant to go farther in the veg and flower later in the year then you want to extend out the daytime after they've already been awake i've had a lot of people that like after their plants go to start going to sleep they turn on their lights after like pretty much all the natural light is gone and i've i've never felt like that has like been effective um when, I, when i've seen it grown that way so i've always waited to the plants essentially were and we're getting max light already and then extending that time frame out a little bit but still trying to shut them down so they could sort of naturally get some twilight before they went back to sleep and that that's still um i feel feel like extended veg time you know even up to three weeks just by doing an extra say hour and a half and then still allowing that the very end of twilight to go down so I've had good success doing that. So that's that's usually what I recommend. And sometimes it's also because they're in a region where they don't get a proper amount of, you know, where their darkness is too short in the day. Right. Live with us in somewhere off the beaten path, you know, north or south, where the day is much shorter or the night is much shorter and the days are much longer, you know. Right. Uh, and that and then and they want to do that. They want to extend, you know, so it doesn't go into flower. They want to extend their veg period only to keep it from flowering because the day the, the, the they get shorter in the dark. Well, we get we talk about the day getting shorter, although we all know that it's the dark period that affects it. But it's hard to start right. talking backwards. <laughs> right. So, so what would you recommend for an indoor grower for for veg times and uh, flowering times? Um, with with the you know with the daylight and nightlight uh, stuff. It's, it's you know, when I'm, I'm a standard veg indoor for me is when I plants are teens and they're it's just 18 hours of light, six hours of sleep. I like to with the sunrise sunset function, it could be as short as, as 10 minutes and it'll still get you better results in your plants 
then it just lights on, lights off. To, to answer your question, Stephen, you know, we, we, we don't really know what spectrum is best to prolong the cycle. What I've always done, and I'm sure what Brennan's always done, was this, you know, simply either train your plant or, or super crop it or, uh, you know, top it. That's that's just what I've always done. As far as spectrum is best to prolong it, I oh, No, 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 no. I just meant, um, what you know, how long are you keeping your lights on? You know, are you doing... 18 like he said 18 hours on six hours off and then for flower are you doing 12 12 you're doing 13 11 are you doing 11 13 i i did 11 13 i like the dj short method but most people do 12 12 it's like it's standard but um there's, there's no difference 11 13 you're, you're totally fine yeah yeah i like 11 13 personally I, find I think you can modify that depending on your grow to you can start off at 12 12 and drop down to 11:13, and i have been accidentally i don't know if i was sabotaged by the wife or what happened but i just found out i've been flowering for the most most part for 13 and a half hours after i had set it at 12 12 originally i went in there the other day and it was on the light was on early and i went in there one day and the light was on late you know so i checked it the other day to, to, to modify that but i hadn't had a problem with any of the bit of the flowering because i'm in flower but I noticed, and, and I, we've talked about this before, um, a lot, I've read this years ago that some guys said, once you put them into flower and they truly, you know, like after two weeks in flower, I know a lot of guys that like to go to 13, 11, or even 14, 10, and still claim that it won't revert to veg at 14, 10. Now, I, that's a little bit of a stretch. I worry about that a little bit. I think 13, 11, as Steve mentioned, it down to 11, 13, and then if you're really trying to get done quickly, you can even drop it to 10 if you need to finish for some reason. But yeah, I think that uh, uh, anywhere in that spectrum, you're, you're good. And if you try it, you'll find that you get a, you won't see a lot of difference. You'll be successful either way you choose. And that's how we teach a lot too. You know, you got to make your own choices and decisions by experiencing it, not just having us tell you how to do it. You know, you got to do it yourself after grow after grow. And then you'll truly come to realize what you want and what's best for your plants and your system and your environment. So what are, uh, what are some of the other um, more interesting things you guys have um, learned or figured out lately with your different lighting projects? You guys are always up to so many cool things. Um, it's, um, I kind of nerd out on specific blends and intensities to see what results I can get from them. And, you know, because Rami, uh, or brother Rami with the other partners, we patented our spectrum. And the funny part is just a few short years ago, all those other lady companies are saying we're idiots, we know what we're doing. You know, you guys are clowns, plants don't use any of that. Now they're all copying us. And a few of them were dumb enough to copy us a bit too closely. So, uh, Let's just put it this way that you, you, you'll see that there were, used to be a bunch of known names in the industry. Now, a few of them just don't exist anymore. It's because they uh, try to get ahead the, uh, the wrong way by literally copyright infringement and blatant stealing of IP. So, frustrating, but it happens. I guess that's, they say the sincerest uh, form of flattery is that, but. Well, at least they got shut down. I mean, yeah. obviously, that's unfortunate, but I've known people that haven't. You know, haven't been as successful getting the people that have stole their intellectual property um, to stop using it. So, you know, I'm glad that they, they got shut down. That's definitely a good thing. 
it's, it's still happening. It's every every other week. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm like, wow. And I just say, Rami, David, look at this thing. I'm, yeah. Or and I focus on making good stuff and getting it to people in a timely fashion. We're obsessed with it. All the other negative kind of things that happen. Luckily, the other guys take most of the heavy thing on that. You know, I'm, I'm obsessing over getting things, getting more light per watt of energy and new technology, new things that come to light to facilitate us to make better fixtures that use less power. The 602 gives off 18% more light than the 600 which preceded it and does that by consuming less power as well. So we keep testing it and it keeps pushing forward. And because we're a creep branding partner, we work in ten with them and push them to come out with cooler stuff. So we've proven what we can do with their tech. We push them to make new tech based on the new stuff we've learned along the way. Never stops. And I think that, you know, that led to your greenhouse light and your, your low profile light. And, you know, obviously those aren't, you know, maybe they're not going to affect, uh, say, the average home grower as much as they are different commercial industries. Like we talked about everything from being able to stack vertically, which can totally change when you when you take into account that um, like certain counties will only count your footprint as your square footage area for a grow and you can stack three levels on top of that same square footage area that you would otherwise only have one level and still be able to produce quality in in pounds right units go ahead have you seen those big rolling racks they now put in because some cities said you have a each each room in your big facilities more than 500 square feet now you owe us this much tax for it well, these guys put in these big rolling racks that have three levels. So, you know, they don't take up all 4,500 square feet. They take up about 4,200 times three. 12,600 right. 12, square foot of canopy in a 4,500 square foot room. The problem is some counties and cities got wise to that. And now they charge you. If you say you're 4,500 square feet and you say you have three levels, they charge you 13,500 square foot tax. So, right. If your state hasn't done that yet, or your county, your city hasn't done that yet, vertical farming it looks very interesting. Until you see how hard it is to work that high up. Oh, it's a bitch. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even two levels, though. I think most of the vertical places that I've been in, I can only remember having two levels, <clears throat> and then storage on the third level, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I definitely think. <clears throat> Um, it, if you're going to do that, you're going to need a low profile option as opposed to a light that needs more headspace. You know, so I definitely think, um, but I do think that has a nice crossover with, with um, closet growers or people that are limited on headspace based on where they live who just want to grow for themselves. So I do think that's a definite, you know, crossover product there. The greenhouse product, you know, maybe not as much, but man, there are so many greenhouses going up on the West Coast right now. It's just not even funny. They're just everywhere. So, you know, it makes complete sense to, to get that product out there. So I, I think that, you know, both of them are, are going to fit well with the commercial commercialization that's happening right now. There are millions of square feet greenhouse going up in California alone. So earlier you are talking about uh, VPD being unmisunderstood. Do you want to touch on that and maybe touch on the, the importance of leaf surface temperature? I know you talked about it last time, but it's it's been quite a while, and I think there's a lot of newer people that listen to the show, and it might be good for them. 
Well, basically, uh, paper pressure deficit, in simplest of terms, it's like barometric pressure in a boat. Your plant functions best with certain external pressures exerted on it. It pushes it to operate. And uh, the higher the temperature, the more moisture it holds in balance. So if you're growing and you believe, you believe, I say this as a caveat with infrared light, but if you believe your room is at 73 degrees Fahrenheit, your humidity should be at a certain level in the 50s, maybe 60. Most growers are stuck on that old school thing that 40% is as high as you can go, that's, that's all it is. So when you tell them to grow the room 85 degrees and 70% humidity in flower, they think you've lost your mind and are utterly clueless about how to grow cannabis or anything else. <laughs> Lovely dab there. <laughs> and and so, well, it got me with the dab thing. Got me up you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I got a customer in Colorado, um, well, ex-customer. Uh, pretty much he was just testing out a light. And, you know, he was testing out a light side by side versus his 1,000 watt. Now, he was communicating with me about his tents. Uh, you know, he was saying, hey, man, I'm running uh, my tents, uh, doing my feed regimen. My tents are 74 degrees. I'm like, what the hell are you doing running LED in 74 degrees? Oh, well, that's what I keep my HDS at. Well, you want to bump it up. I need you to bump it up to 82 to 86, depending on your strength. Uh, this guy was growing sativa, so he, I told him to bump it up to 86 and get your humidity up to at least 60 to 65%. What did he tell me? I'm not budging through all 35, uh, uh, 45%. I'm not budging uh, above 45%. And why? Because his whole life he's been growing this way and he's not going to change. So, listen, you can't change someone like that. Uh, you know, he was saying his plants were, were, were doing, uh, uh, a week behind. And yeah, no, no shit, because the plants aren't transpiring. They're not getting... Conditions they need. They're not getting, exactly. They're not getting the conditions they need to transpire properly. You're not sweating. There's no photorespiration because it, you know, when you have the right balance of temperature and humidity, your plants accelerate their growth and they'll give you better results too. Getting people to accept that is a lot easier now than it was just last year. I mean, like like Warren mentioned, I mean, I two years ago I said VPE to something. I basically got a nice warm of you know, you should drink a nice warm cup and go fuck yourself, you're clueless. There's no way to you're gonna have mold mildew, it's over. You're there's no way you've ever grown before, man. There's no way. You know. just, you just won't do that. When I did do it, and we showed them, and we had the monitors on camera and on screen to point at the finger at every day, there it is, there it is, there it is. And then other guys, first-time growers, like our vets we've trained, started doing the same thing, and they had great crops. The haters got less numbers and quieter. Now, this year, enough people have said it, done it, shown it, to where it's becoming accepted, and the big commercial grows that hire agronomists, well, they know this already that have, you know, master gardeners in greenhouses, they know this already. So luckily, the, these massive grows, if they've hired the right people, they're going to be in balance. The guys growing up, you know, in Adelanto, California, there's all kinds of things going up, and it gets really hot there. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty sad what, uh, what it's come to, but I think DPD was accepted once Jungle Boys posted a picture of it on their Instagram. I think that's when it started to get accepted by, uh, by the public. It's pretty sad. Uh, any way that it gets accepted, as long as it does by me, it's a win. I don't care how we get there. I want to get there to show people that when you see your plants high five the room, as we call it, and they're happy and the node spaces are tight, the buds are fattening, I want more of that. I don't want to see a guy say, these lights don't work. It sucks. And I see the plant leaves over here drooping down. And I see his thermometer says 72 and his humidity says 30. 
I'm going, that's not going to work. It just, you, you can't do that and expect a positive result. The reason we have the settings preferred, and the simplest of terms, HPS guys think their plants are cooler because that's what the AC thermometer says. That isn't accurate at all. If you take a laser thermometer and measure your plant's actual canopy temperature, you're going to see it's 83, 85, excuse me, maybe even hotter. So I tell guys that, that don't believe me when they go to see the rooms, where are your best looking buds? Where's your favorite plants in the room? Break mm -hmm. the thermometer, yeah. point to the top of the plants, take the number and go, what's it say? That's mm -hmm. wrong. I go, okay, then you do it. Right. Oh, shit. Boom. Light goes off. Now there's credibility to it. And I say, all I want you to do in your LED room is get it up until the plants say it's this temperature. Can you do that for me? Get some humidity in there to balance it, and the magic will happen. I'm telling you, you can save even more AC if you let the room yeah, on, let the moisture level come up. Yeah, that's a great way to to communicate an understanding of it that's missing. Like once they realize, oh, the plant needs to be at the same temperature, and it's like, oh, okay, that, that that's a great analogy. I like that. It was funny until we showed them the laser thermometer trick. I mean. The nice warm cup of go after yourself was more often. When I showed them that proof, and some of these big commercial grower guys, well, you know, our our growers world is getting bigger, but the core element of people, the us have been around for years, there's not that many of us, truth be told. So it's becoming more widespread amongst our world. It's not as a uh, dangerous or taboo subject like it used to be. Guys thought in the back in the day, I mean, there are people up, up in certain parts of Canada that swear by 72 and 40% humidity. They don't want to hear anything else. Well, I say that, I'm, you know, if that's how you grow, then I'm, I'm, I don't expect you to, to move forward like this way because the whole grow world's changing. Plant science is changing. If you stay abreast of it, you'll see that I'm not making this up. This is real stuff. This is not Brandon from Spectrum King going, this is how the way the world's supposed to work. I'm taking the top scientists and all the big schools and universities are proving going, we should be doing that if these guys are getting those results. Remember, back in the day, if you got two pounds of light 10 years ago, you were an ace. There are people getting three, four plus pounds per light now because they're studying the plant science and getting the results that go with it. Light science is a big part of that, but the environmental conditions are just as important. That's really awesome. I had a follow-up question and I totally stoned down and I hit the pipe again. Well, then... <laughs> Play your mental hold music and I'll fire my vape up and you, you think about that long and hard. <laughs> <laughs> what about anybody else on the panel? Do you guys have any lighting questions? Brendan's like lighting guru. I feel like you've been talking the whole time. So, What, what about Dutch? Dutch, you got to have a question. Well, I'll throw the question out that I kind of was fucking around with earlier in the season. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I like to push things. I'm going to, you know, pusher type of guy. And so I, I'm new to outdoor in the last couple of years. And I threw all these plants out early season, way too early. I threw some, uh, you know, uh, just whatever, light bulbs on them to hold photo period, right? I'd flip them on in the middle of the night. They'd hold photo period. Mm -hmm. And I had this, this, this thought that, you know, I could either run lights, run these, you know, supplemental. They're not really supplemental. They're just holding photo period. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all the way through the summer and then maybe turn them off first, second, third week of July. And because the plants were used to running, you know, 24 hours or having this long, 
photo period that they just flip on to, you know, 16 and a half, 17 and a half, where I'm, I'm up north, almost by Canada. You know, they'd flip right into flour. And I never actually got to test that this summer because it was a half-baked idea, quite literally. Um, so, yeah, you, you have any thoughts on that? Well, if you're going to, you know, it's a fine line between it's cold photo period and uh, maintain plants in veg longer. And also a healthy plant. Right, yeah. a healthy plant. Because when you, when you just maintain photo period, a lot of times it's not enough intensity to get the result you want. So you have a really confused plant going, I'm not really awake, I'm not really asleep, what the hell is happening? And they stretch and they morph and they get weird because they're, they're not really understanding which way to go. Um, you have to have a minimum level hitting the plants to trigger and keep them in a state of veg, for example. Like you mentioned earlier, um, I have the sunrise sunset function with our commercial lights, but you know you could get a module like the Aziki module and do it with your phone on newer stuff we're making now too, if you have a couple lights or a light in your room. But what you want to do is wake them up and then get them into the light intensity. Now, if you're doing a big greenhouse scenario, for example, um, guys typically have what's known as a light harvester sensor on the roof, and it says, well, the sun's at this level, and as the sun gets brighter, the lights get turned down and off. And then late in the afternoon, when the sun starts dimming, the lights come back on, and then they go until you turn off your photo period for the time you set it. Uh, I have some guys that do like 5 a.m. to 11 p.m., so they get their 18 hours of light. But at five, you know, from 5 to 5.15, it's coming up, ramping up. And then as the sun comes up, comes out, the light levels can go down and, and you continue in the rest of the day. Yeah, I mean, you can straight up set a level to, to do a, a ramp up period for however long you want, two hours, three hours, four hours, and you do a ramp down for four hours, five hours, whatever you want. It's that long or, or shorter if you want. It's just your method. But if you have the right amount of light, they will maintain that. And there are guys I know that Christmas, they cut the clones. You know, after New Year's, they, they pop them in big, 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 big buckets and, and things. And they start vegging them then. And they're not moving them outside until June. So these plants have got, you know, all those four and a half, five solid months of vegging. They are huge when they put them outside and flip them the flower. And these things are like, they're, they're, each one takes up just about a 10 by 10 area by itself. So they train them and just veg them out for a longer period of time. They just maintain the photo period, but enough intensity to keep them in the right state they want them to be in. When you have a low, too low intensity, it tends to confuse the plants. There's a, a trigger point, but there's a set point where they accept what they're supposed to be doing and work with it. What well, comes down to proper photosynthesis cannot occur with inadequate light levels. Yes. Yes. That's, that's it. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank cool. You. Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, I mean, that makes a little bit more sense rather than, well, I guess, you know, we, we've all, I, I've been under the notion that just to, you could just trick them, like you say, and, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're tricking them. You're confusing them. Right. Trickery is confusion. And that's a much better way to, to, to think about it rather than like, aha, we can pull this magic trick and, you know, that actually trickery is confusion. And there's, a you know, some thought that has to go on there in the plants world. Right. And, and you know, we, we like, for example, our mother's little helper is 140 watt light. And I had a guy in Hawaii, he, 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 he plays in grow light or he's, he's buying these 140s and, you know, shipping to Hawaii is not cheap. And he, you know, he's, he's like every, you know, every few weeks he got a few more, a few more. 
and he sent me some pictures. And but you know, Hawaii's weather doesn't change that much. You know, sunlight during the year because they're pretty much equatorial. So what he was doing, he was he was this big greenhouse. He was forcing the bench longer and longer and longer, and moving into his flower greenhouse. And these things were absolutely massive. And so even in Hawaii, just by having the right amount of light to trigger the plants to extend their veg, you could do it. Um, luckily, they have plenty of humidity for their own natural BPD, but same token, they sometimes have too much. So he had actual air extraction things that remove the extra humidity from his greenhouses. Where we put swamp coolers and blow it into our desert ones here, they actually extract it there. Right. That's what I have to do in my greenhouse. I have to extract. Gets too well because we get ninety percent humidity a lot of times, over ninety sometimes. <laughs> like it's been over ninety for three days, <laughs> but I'll move, so, move it. That's a great topic. So there's a lot of people right now that um, are dealing with a lot of smoke and ash uh, in in California. Um, if they have greenhouses and are running your lights or anything, what what kind of maintenance do they need to do to make sure that they stay running well? Well, the, the problem with ash is that it's a phenomenal insulator. So anything electric you have that gets ash on it needs to be wiped off very quickly because that just turns it into an insulated blanket and the heat does not dissipate. So whether it's, I don't care if it's your air conditioning condenser, you know, you need to hose it down and wipe it off often if you're in mm -hmm. a, a environment because they're, they're really going to suffer it overheat. Yeah, our lights you can hose off, as you know, just spray our light, that's the easy part. But for everything else you have electric, that's exposed, that's going to get ash on it. Even your greenhouse glass, you need to squeegee that stuff off because in the ash is some, is some particulates which can actually damage the glass and start to degrade it faster. Pretty acidic. Interesting. That's pretty interesting. But you'd want to probably do that anyway because the glass ain't going to do much good if it's covered with soot. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but it'll, it'll screw it up if you leave it there. If <laughs> you get lazy. <laughs> all right that was cool yeah and just remember you're probably gonna have to change your filters you know in basically anything whether it's your you know what however you're filtering in your air you know system you're you know if you're pulling any air in from the outside it's not filtered somewhere you know I mean, i'm talking every filter like the filters in your car are probably going to be nasty if you live in oregon or California right now, you know, like just everything that has a filter, change it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. More often if you're in an area, for sure. Right. Yep. In Southern Oregon, it's been really bad. We've gotten, we've got fires in Southern Oregon <clears throat> here, just to our northern Grants Pass. Had friends evacuated from that one, and then just below us in uh, Redding, you know, obviously they've got that huge devastating fire down there. And so we're getting smoke from no matter which way the wind is blowing and it settles here in the valley. And uh, so it, it, it's been really rough and I, I got family in Redding. They got evacuated from there. Luckily their house hasn't burned down yet. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. It's still obviously not, not looking great, but all, all this ash is spreading, you know, for literally hundreds of miles. And uh, it, it becomes a problem, you know, wash your cars, like, you know, like all of that stuff becomes a problem. But as far as <clears throat> like greenhouses and stuff go, you know, you're, you're pretty much going to be like, I don't know what, a third of the time on your filters, I would think like it has to be 
seriously degrading the amount of count. Oh, it's the lifespan for sure. How so? How has um, the recent legalization, especially with places like in the south and stuff, is that affecting you guys quite a bit now? Or is that having a big impact on y'all's business? Well, um, the odd thing with states going legal is everyone gets really excited and they want to get going and they want to get growing and they want to get the permit and they want to get the facility. And then they walk into the city they think that's going to let them grow because it's legal. They find out that the city doesn't allow it. So you have to find another city that will allow it in a legal town. Then you get to that city and you say, oh, yeah. you have to have this much money in the bank and you have this. So there's so many hoops to jump through. I have guys in Michigan that have literally been trying to get the permit, the certificate of occupancy signed off for a year and a half. You know, there are grow ops in California. Like we went legal on theory, and but there's all these new licenses you need. We have maybe 7%, 8% of growers are actually registered and legal. So there's all kinds of stupid crackdowns now. L.A. City finally is starting to give permits out and certify people. Because they said, no, it's our, our city, our county. We're going to make the rules and we'll get the licenses. So we have people who have been growing for dispensaries in broad daylight for the past few months, hoping no one knocks on their door with a badge and a gun because technically speaking, they're in limbo. They're a known business, they're paying taxes, but they're not permitted until they get their things signed off on. So, Which is really unfortunate. Yeah. We had a similar situation in Oregon. Go ahead, Roger. Isn't it also true that if they if they did knock on there, that they're, they're highly illegal because they haven't been licensed yet. They, even, they shouldn't be growing at all. I mean, but they're t trying to get a jump. I think that uh, allegedly, you know. No, you, no, you're right. You're right. There, yeah. there have doors kicked in and people uh, were forcibly removed from the industry recently. And and there's a bunch of dispensaries running here in town. The law, California law is pretty straightforward. Like you, back in the day, you could open a jar and look at it, smell it, grab it up. Everything's pre-packaged and sealed now. So when you walk into a dispensary in L.A. and it still has jars you can look at, you better hope they don't have cameras filming that you were there. Because when the cops take that videotape, they're going to close this guy here and they're going to come after you. Yeah, and I think it's unfortunate that they can't provide the licensing that they're supposed to, you know, like yep. whether or not, you know, people are trying to get a jump or not trying to get a jump or whatever, you know, like that's a decision that's up to them. But obviously, like being able to get it in a timely manner, you know, when you have realistic expectations, I don't think anybody should be waiting a year and a half for a, a simple business license if you were growing tomatoes. We even need a business license. <laughs> you could sell your product on a farm stand, you know, up to what? It's like thirty-eight thousand dollars worth, or something like that. that you, you, five, five hundred thousand before you have to register with the Food Safety Act. Wow! A year in sales. <laughs> I know that oh, one. Yeah. So just think about that. Like, how about I? How about we just go by that? I, as long as I'm not growing more than five hundred thousand dollars worth of cannabis, we're we're cool. Like how come it, you know, like that's not, so I think it's a real, realistic expectation that if you're going to extort us for money in order to get licensing to grow a plant, then you should at least be able to do it in a timely manner so that they don't have to risk going to jail in order to make a profit and pay their mortgage and do all the normal things that people want to do.
The other thing I want to see is why can't Cali behave like Colorado with a you know six to one year, in some cases two year phased in periods, where they come in, they'll they'll be like, hey, you need to change this. Hey, you can't do this anymore. You have you know three months to comply. You have two months to comply. You have one month to comply. Okay, now you're gonna get fined. Um, why are they just going around swinging with a battle axe? And and the other thing too is so. I was just down hanging out with um, at the Perone Castle, uh, uh, the Castro Castle, and I, there there's a group that there was down there, and they're working on a new program just to get state waivers. And there's a lot of support from it on both the Democrat and Republican sides because so much of the state has banned production. So the state's like, well, I want my, my tax money. So they're like, the hell with this. We're gonna give licenses and and as long as you meet you know the distance from the school and blah 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 you know the this the same restrictions then they're going to grant them waivers and that's something that's probably going to happen by the end of the year so you know what are the prohibitionists going to do about that you know they're they're going to keep trying if we stop them that's what they're going to do yeah well, we had we had a whole we were supposed to get our license july or june or september 29th of last year and we had a whole church load of people bus in and and just cause all kinds of hell for no reason. <laughs> the devil's Wade. Yeah. It's well, the devil. You know, on the other side, I I just you know if you're in a, in a non-legal state, listen up. You know, because I was, you know, us in Washington, we we got the whooping first. Yeah. And I, I I've talked to everybody I talked to. I'm like, listen, I'm not crazy. I'm not stupid. And they're like, no, no, bro, I got this. And then like six months later, a year later, it's like, bro, you can't believe what happened. The county said this. I'm like, I know, dude. And, you know, I got my ass whooped in the same same way. And, you know, it hurts still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even the people that got through and got licensing in Oregon and Washington, none of them will be like, oh, yeah, the, it was a great process. It was super easy and reasonable and <laughs> like nobody says that you know no. like, like there's people that buy cars that are probably pieces of shit that still are like you know i got a pretty good deal on it you know like nobody feels that way after getting their licensing they're like this was shit i hated it i can't believe i had to do it it was ridiculous i will <laughs> like, say it does have one effect it has a hundred percent enforcement for making sure that there's like no no one selling to underage kids and everything else after going through all that manner of bullshit. You make sure that everyone's compliant there. Are you, you know? suggesting underage kids can't get weed? Not, not at a dispensary. They can't. That yeah. hasn't happened yet. Since nor Colorado my, legalized. Nor can my underage child come into my garden with me? I, I would rather I would rather a child go to a dishonored child. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me rephrase that. Do over. Do over. I would rather a kid go to a dispensary than buy from a drug dealer on the street. Oh yeah. That's what moms used to say. I'd rather have them have a beer on Friday night in the house and know where they're at than to yeah. go out, you know, or anything, even smoke pot. I'd rather have them smoking a joint with me than out on the street somewhere, you know. Okay. Doing it like that. At least you know what you grew up with and it's safe. You don't know where that was looking from. Yeah, and if I can let my kid do something, it's definitely gonna be smoke, huh? I can't I can't imagine my kid drunk. He's already hyper enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been through different generations and periods of time where it was 
you know, they'd rather them have a beer and that, then it's now, you know, 20 years after that during the seventies and eighties, it's rather than smoke some pot, you know, just remember how old I am now. So. Are you, you almost my age now? Yeah. I think I got you by a bit. Yeah. <laughs> we had a, in Jamaica, they give the kids bush tea. So they take the stems and the sticks and some of the, the larfier buds and they make it into a real sweet tea with coconut milk. And then they uh, give it to the kids and then the kids get real sleepy and then mom can do, you know, have a break and do laundry and, you know, lay on the, lay, you know, take a nap for a minute if she needs. I heard about that recently too. Yeah, it's real common in the Caribbean. Anybody who's ever had a seven-year-old boy probably be like, that sounds all right. <laughs> <laughs> not suggesting anyone does it. I'm just saying yeah, it's common practice having, in Jamaica. We're all dudes here. We're having fun. We're like, yeah, I, I probably would have drugged that kid if I could have. Yep. <laughs> I've seen a few that would, yeah, that would be a nice remedy. Yeah. Thankfully, Bill Crosby is uh, now in jail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to give a shout out. We brushed over it, but I want to say from being over here, I, I hope everyone survives this massive wildfires all over California and Oregon and what's going on over there it is ape shit crazy and talk about hot. I saw, you know, been watching some of the videos and we've lost many firefighters and a lot of, a lot of human life more than usual in this day and age, which is a, a miracle considering how big these fires are and where they're springing up everywhere. And I just want to give a shout out for everybody. If you're listening somehow, and you did, you know, because you listened, but you had to leave your home. We really, we're, we're wishing you the best and hope everything works out for you. So I wanted to throw that in there because, you know, not to make it all solemn or anything, but there's a hell going on out there on the West Coast. Right. The Reading, yeah, that, that's that's pretty bad. And there's one coming into Grants Pass, too, that's coming towards town and people are getting evacuated. And that's always, always the worst. I mean, the, the forest burning is you know, is one thing and even has its benefits in certain areas, but you never want to see people's houses, uh, you know, go li literally reduced to ashes. And there's so much of that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's rough for sure. Well, uh, uh, Steve, you got more questions. Oh, you passed on the questions oh. for Brandon and Norris. So Are we in the, we in the hanging out? It's all good. Uh, Charlie. Yeah. Where's Charlie? Charlie's got a question. Charlie uh, Schultz is here. He's going to pop on for a minute. He's going to take my headset. Perfect timing. Okay. And we segue. Cool. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, Charlie. Okay, great. Uh, is it Brendan? Right? Yeah, Brendan. Hi, Charlie. Nice to meet you. Okay. Um, so, Brendan, I know you, you work with lighting, right? That's your specialty. Um, and where I am at Santa Fe, we're doing a lot of indoor uh, microgreens and lettuce farms. Okay. So kind of away from the high demand of a cannabis light. Um, I've had some questions recently on these, uh, new led type lights, um, kind of low end for vegetative crops. Um, what's your, what's your take on adding green spectrums to lights? Um, cause a lot of people assume that the plants don't use green. We just reflect green away. That's why we see green. Um, can you base on that a little bit? The notion that plants don't use green light is really old. It's really wrong, and it's still wrong, and it's been disproven. Um, there are multiple university papers, particularly one from Osaka, Japan, that was 2007, 
that clearly showed in full spectrum white light, green is the transporter of reds and blues to the lower chloroplasts of plants to stimulate better photosynthesis. You can't penetrate a plant without green light. So I wouldn't put a specific green bulb in there, but in full spectrum white light, you need the balances of your blues, reds. So, so yeah, you know, it's, uh, you wouldn't use green light, uh, especially uh, because green is not as efficient as white uh, when it comes to humans uh, uh, per watt. So that's why you use white because A, it, it, it's, it's higher in, in, in efficacy and it has a ton of green. Um, plants, plants use green light just 9% less than any other color. Right. And if you have full spectrum light, you know, the blend together gives you more light per watt than any other light blend could of colors. So you're saving a lot more energy and getting a lot more bang for your watt by using full spectrum light light with plenty of green in it. And we all know you need photons to make the plant grow. Did you hear that, Charlie? He said you need protons to make the plant grow, I believe is what he said. Yeah. Um, I, again, you guys, um, I'm at the community college in Santa Fe. So um, when we're looking into these new light technologies, um, there's definitely two spectrums. We can go high end for cannabis growing. But uh, I think at a lower end, a, a lettuce farmer is not going to make the returns that maybe a cannabis grower will. No, but you don't need this. You don't need the same intensity. And the proximity to light dictates lower wattage fixture anyway, because if you're growing microgreens in a vertical farm setting, for example, um, you're going to have like every two feet another shelf. For instance, for instance, some, someone growing lettuce, uh, lettuce and, and microgreens, I don't need to make a light that has a, a, a PCB that's that's gold plated front and back. I don't need to make crazy heat sink, uh, crazy spectrum. I just need to make a light. Um, most microgreens like a 5,000 Kelvin spectrum. Um, you know that's why our our, our bench light is a purely 5,000 Kelvin spectrum light. Um, but Again, we can customize lights for every, every other need. So for lettuce lights, yeah, we have specific lights for that that are cost effective. And Charlie, I, I would I would almost argue not to be argumentative, but uh, I think at this point, uh, cannabis is cheaper than microgreens per square foot. Uh, I used to grow microgreens, and if you're still selling them for at least $20, $25 a pound, uh, they're definitely doing better than cannabis per square foot. That's what I think too. Um, so it's not out of the question. Let me see. Um, what's not out of the question? You, you need a full spectrum, like Orr mentioned, but you just don't need that the level of intensity. Since you don't need that level of intensity, you don't need the same quality substrates to put your things on. So you can make a more cost-effective unit for vertical farm and microgreens for sure. Okay. So it's not out of the question for my clients to contact Spectrum King for their lighting needs for for lettuce and vegetative greens, right? Not at all. In fact, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, um, we, we've had a serious influx of vertical farms and customers because A, we listened, and B, we studied the plants that know exactly what they were looking for. I mean, yep. There are some key strains which wants a little bit different of this and that, you know, depending on what type of kale you might be growing or broccoli, et cetera, et cetera. But you can get a wide selection of crops, and especially microgreens and grasses, things that aren't going to break a foot tall with a lower intensity 5,000 K bulb, like we're saying. Exactly. Cool. I'll look forward to connecting with you guys a lot more in the future. Look forward to it. I love it. You know, it helps to be nerds and want to do stuff. You're doing your side of the nerd plant fence. I'll do my side of the nerd lighting. 
Fantastic. <laughs> Perfect combo. <laughs> Fantastic. That's awesome. Good. Look forward to meeting you guys one day too. Yeah, we'll put some uh, we'll put some conferences together, some meetings, uh, maybe aquaponic jamborees or something, and I'll make sure you guys are down in Santa Fe with me. Cool, fantastic, awesome. Uh, I'm gonna go up and hang out with Ken Armstrong, our aquaponic guru here at the farm too, um, and we're gonna be we're gonna be watching y'all from the other house. Okay. Okay. All right, fantastic. Thanks, guys. I can't wait to get out there and visit y'all either. Yeah, it's a good place to be. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Hey, I got might come up in the late late uh, fall. Cool. Maybe we'll coincide our trips, buddy. All right, it might might work. All right. Nice talking to you again. All right, we'll be listening from a long distance. We may throw a couple questions at you too. Cool. Awesome. Peace. I guess Steve's gonna be back here flipping the headset here. Oh, I got one more thing. Uh, Brandon, oh, in a segue, since you asked for, we, I, I didn't ask a question. I always like to bring this up because, you know, not everybody watches every show or goes back and watches every show. And since you're here, uh, do you still, um, do you still offer a green light for dark periods? And would you like to address that a little bit? Because a lot of people believe if they get a green light, they can put it on in their, in their grow and not affect the, the, uh, What's going on in the dark period? So would you address that again for me? What it is, is uh, it kind of brushes on the subject we touched earlier. Green light, does, it's not as uh, intense as white light. Um, and it doesn't startle the plants. It doesn't wake them up. So you can use green light uh, in the dark period. Um, there is a certain nanometer of green that you don't want to use, but... It's an intensity level. You, you basically you can use it if it's very weak and even spread, like the LED uh, green strip thing we offered at one point yeah. to put under your tray, so you can see where you're going without negatively impacting your plants. Hold and up. would you say that this is a you you only I think we mentioned before, but you don't want to leave it on the entire evening. You only oh, no, put no. it in when you need it and get out, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's limited time. You, know, you need like some guys have the uh, what I what I call the the mining little little headlight one, you know, that little strap on light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> I never thought, oh, that'd be a nice marketing. Yeah, that's yeah. Want, again, you want to use green because it's 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 it doesn't, it doesn't excite them, and you know, obviously red will wake them up. Mm -hmm. uh, blue will for sure wake them up, and that, again, that's why everyone uses green. That's why it's kind of been a standard. Right, and and I I think that that's something that a lot of people pretty much knew. I was basically talking about the fact that it's got to be a you know there are some spectrums that aren't as good, right? And then you can't. It's not something to leave like you don't just don't put it on and sit in your grow room all night long. With it yeah, you know, it, it's it's keep in mind that like what they call a daily light integer a DLI is how many photons the plant gets within the spectrum it uses in a day. Well, if you leave that green light on a light, they're going to accumulate enough photons to affect right. one way or another. So it's just not a good idea to ever leave anything on, anything, even if it's low intensity. Uh, actually, if you stay in your room, uh, you know, after in your dark period, if you stay in your room, you'll notice a bunch of green lights, you know, from your humidifier, from your uh, CO2 tank readers, mm -hmm. and your AC. You'll notice a bunch of green lights. So they are exposed to it. Oh, that's a good, wow, that's an interesting point. There you go, folks. That's We touched on something we didn't even know we were going to touch on. The fact that all your little electrical, electronic devices in your room are emitting some light at some point from somewhere. 
Yeah, I mean, whenever, whenever, I mean, before every run, I usually sit, I usually turn off all the lights, you know, turn up all the pumps, you know, turn up all the equipment, uh, sit there for 20 minutes, look if there's any light leaks, and if there's any light leaks, patch them up, and, you know, I get to see what light is actually there. Yeah, I know um, that was something I was <clears throat> doing a lot of consulting. It's definitely one of the first things I look at, especially if they're having Hermy problems. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. In, oh, go yeah. in and shut off all the lights and then go around with duct tape and duct tape over <laughs> or, or whatever, all the red lights and glowing power strips. And power strips are the biggest one because it's a red light and it really fucks with the plants. But I see it all the time people have opened, you know, non-covered power strips. You know, a mini knocking a timer. Yep. And you can also even take like a little piece of black, excuse me, a little black cloth and make a little curtain for it or whatever. It doesn't have to be taped, yeah. you know, but just yeah. literally anything just to keep it from shining. Yeah. Yeah. You could take a little piece of cardboard, put a little piece of tape on it and put it over the window on your air conditioner where the digital readout is and all in the lights. Yeah. Flip it on if you want to see what the temperature is or what your settings are, and then drop it back down, little door. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. This might have been what Dutch asked earlier. I just step out for a second. But have you ever done like a gas lamping um, thing where they're on for four hours and off for um, four hours and that kind of stuff? I know there's a guy in Alaska that was doing like a four or four. I think it was four hour flip. Or anything like that, or breaking, you know, doing in the middle of the night, breaking it for an hour or two, and then going back to sleep, keep them in veg. Have you guys heard of that at all? Um, well, I guess because Alaska's got too much light for a few months of the year and not enough light for the rest of it, that the formulas for lighting and changing will be slightly different in that environment. You know? I've never. Uh, been, I was just curious. And then, like in Paris, France, and I was in Ireland for a while, so it's for the north of mostly, you know, here in LA. Our days don't change too drastically, but in Alaska, your daylight length changes hugely. So it just depends what time of year it is. He's playing with those waking, sleeping formulas. I know guys that, that try to create a new day, and that they're doing this bizarre lighting of eight hours on, and then three and a half hours off, and then eight hours on, and three and a half, they're trying to turn the day into an 11 and a half hour day. Yeah. Now, um, I've seen some guys have some success with it. I've seen some guys find out that they obviously had some light leaks and other things in the room because the plants just went completely, you know, Hermaphroditeed out big time, just out of sync. We only learn by trying to make these mistakes, but Orr points out the simplest thing. Any grow environment, sit down when the lights are off and see if there's any light source, you could be surprised. Your eyes get real keen in like a minute, you see everything. All right, the plants talk to you and the room talks to you. The room's squeaking, something's broken. Plants talk to you, room talks to you. It works. Synergy. Yeah, that, again, that's what I mentioned earlier. You have to do grow after grow. Keep experimenting. You'll find your niche. You'll find what you like. And then you try to learn little things here and there as the years go on to uh, make it even better, you know. We had a question from Chad is, <clears throat> have you done any tests with the 1750K spectrum? Yeah, so they got lights that says they have them on it. And it was curious what that does. Well, it's you know, pretty much hellfire. Um, I don't play with it that way because we, we, when we went full spectrum and we started studying with the ends of full spectrum, what, what variance we have within that, we found pretty much 
gold, if you will, and if not platinum, of benefits to plants. Then we start studying other bandwidths and add or fix or build the plants away or torch for vegetable flower. Um, you're always going to have more light, not less watts, with a fuller spectrum. So I, I don't want to go back to dialer spectrum. I don't, I don't think that's an answer. And from all the science that I've studied for the past few years, it's full spectrum is what plants want. Mm -hmm. Charlie wanted to know if you guys do leasing or have anyone that does financing uh, for, for, for lights. Yeah, we, we do have a few companies. Uh, we have three companies that we can go through. So. No, that's good. Awesome. Great. Well, did you guys have anything else you guys wanted to go over? I don't want to hold you guys up all night. I know you guys have been very busy. Um, I just hope they answer everyone's questions. And if they have anything else, you know, you can run it through you or us or however it works. You know, but obviously, it's a fair things going on with lighting with plants with growing systems greenhouses i think it's an exciting time to be a gardener so where would how would people find you um you know we have a lot of aquaponic listeners on the show um what would be uh, let me ask you that real quick before we or let you go what would be like a good entry level light for people you know maybe have a three by three or a two by two or a two by four grow um, what would be kind of their entry level lights that you guys have there? You know, if you're going to have a smaller area, you know, a lower, you know, a lower height thing, you're dealing with smaller plants. Like your closet case, yeah, closet case for your, your, if you just, if you can only get one little light to do from seed to skillet, so to speak, get yourself a closet case. Um, if you have room to veg, a little small veg area, and then you're going to flip over to flower, get a mother's little helper for that veg area. You can get better results with 100 or 140 watts than you can with 250 or 400 watts of uh, metal alloy. With a better spectrum so, we make lights for each style of grow and each size of grow because we started through all those levels ourselves you know and i know you gotta have the right tool for the job so we made one for very beginner small spot a little bit bigger it's a lot bigger to a whole lot bigger if you're a grower we make something you can use to grow better plants awesome no i know you guys have the really um really great smaller ones i know we use them quite a bit at ken's farm uh and uh they work really good for for what we use it for there we do a lot of seed starts with them and then we do a lot of you know uh, a couple of the crops that we want to keep on a little bit longer a little bit longer daytime so it's really 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 well <coughs> sorry i guess one maybe last minute question if i can hop in um i was uh keen on using induction lighting to transition plants from indoor to outdoor. Do you guys offer, do you guys lights? I mean, yeah, I guess you probably know the question. Um, well, uh, induction lighting pretty much came and went because of its inability to throw light far. They came up with a great spectrum, but it had to be so close to the plants that kind of negated its, its validity for what consumed. Um, Five years ago, six years ago, they were they made a lot of noise and they just kind of phased down. There are still some out there, and there are some that are got a little bit closer to decent. But as far as quality of light and intensity to get plants going, they don't compete with with LEDs and other things out there. So I'm not unless they've done brand new. Well, yesterday. I wasn't really asking about like the quality of for growing more like uh, in terms of using them to um, condition plants to outside because the UV. 
Well, yeah, yeah. Like if you're cloning, if you're cloning indoors, and you want to be able to sell plants to guys that are in greenhouses or outdoors, you need to like set them up. You could just as easily replicate that though with a, um, you know, with a decent light and then a couple of the reptile UVA B bulbs. Yep. <laughs> if you guys just get the reptile bulb and turn it on 15 minutes every few hours, six it's, six bucks will get you the reptile bulb. You know that, yeah. that that's not worth it. That's not it's not worth it for for when manufacturers LED manufacturers say yeah we have UV uh, UVB. Why would you put UVB LEDs? They have a lifespan of 4,000 hours. Why would you do that? So you're saying in 4,000 hours that that this light is going to be trash and it's going to be no no use. You're going to have to send it back to the manufacturer to get it fixed. And that's going to cost a fortune if they're going to do it for you. Why well, the, other, the, other thing, the other thing is those UVs, I know when um, I've seen a couple side-by-sides with um, you guys versus Blurples, uh, you know, the red red style. And the extra UV and then the far red increases the heat on the surface of the leaf and converts some of that THC to CBN. And we've seen that in the side-by-sides by as much as 2 or 3% or more. Yep. So that's the other reason why it's not necessarily always good. You know, little UVA is fine for, for striking out, but you don't want too much. And especially the red, you know, the far red really can heat it up on the leaf surface. Yep. It, it's the balance of... You know, the rest of your spectrum to the bookends, like all the UV and infrared, it's the dose. And some of those things that have too much of a dose effectively negatively impact your plants, like you mentioned. Um, yep, set the balance, yep. Right. So if you're going to, if you're hardening your plants back to the point of hand, as Laura mentioned, you could take a full spectrum light, we make them, such as, you know, depending on how many plants we're talking about, what size they are, you might need a reptile bulb or a few of them. But they don't even need to be on all the time. You can just have them on, like I mentioned earlier, 15 minutes every two hours. And that will trigger the systemic response within the plant to propagate its natural sunblock to its cuticle and, it, it's, and strengthen itself. And to essentially harden the plants and make them more prepared for them when you do get them outside. Oh, okay, yes, hardening. Okay, yeah, I see so what you, you would, So you would say 15 minutes an hour? Or you're saying for a minute every 15 minutes, or I'm what? Have it on for 15 minutes every two hours. Oh, every two hours. Every two hours. Okay. That's, you don't need to have it on all the time. Interesting. That's really cool. Awesome. That's a way to save that's power. Cool. Yeah. No, that's really I, something I didn't know at all. That's really cool. Um, Any you... other great tips there, Guru? <laughs> Um, listen, we made the fixtures. We tested them. We tortured them. We made bars. We did stuff. And then we pretty much wanted to beat each other up with them because what they would cost a manufacturer doesn't justify their existence. They're, they're, until we can find a way to make a substrate that the diode doesn't eat with its own color exudes, they don't live long, like Laura mentioned. So why would I have one, one side of my light working for 60,000 hours and a small part of it go out in 4,000? It's, it's not there yet. When the technology's there, trust me, we'll be all over it because we're always paying attention to it. I remember some of the old reef lights would have a halide with two uh, tinic bulbs on either side. I don't know if you remember those, the old reef masters. Sure, sure. The, the big tank, the aquarium lights. Yeah. Yep. No, one of the worst, worst one. I was working at the pet store for a minute, and the coral. Remember the coral life, the little thin coral life lights. 
they had something wrong with the lenses, the plastic they used in the lenses, and they were catching fire. We had, a, out of 20 of them sold, I think we had seven of them catch fire or melt. It was really bad out of a batch. So, like, you got to be really careful when you're buying lights and not cheap out because, I mean, it can literally be dangerous. No, uh, yeah, so UV will actually make uh, cheap plastic break down. It's pretty fucking hilarious. It'll actually deform like it has, like it's being, you can see it like Wicked Witch or West melting slowly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Human eyes don't want to see it. Um, I mean, it's it's UVA. You know, plants. It our lights already have a small dose of that in there, and that's already affecting increased tree green production and, and plants' natural sunblock with trichomes. Um, when you're adding some UVB, you can help sterilize and negate certain pathogens. But as Laura mentioned, if you have too much of it, you're you're no, that's getting way down. That's my program level. But when you when you get down to <laughs> Over a two, three, four percent level of UVB, you're hurting them. Just, it's all about the balance within the spectrum. The things that it's kind of the yin and yang between red, blue, green, you know, all being balanced. And when you break that balance, things go horribly wrong. There was a brand of LED, I'll leave them out, but a few years back, they played with uh, colored lenses, which changed the Kelvin temperature, the resulting Kelvin temperature of what the lights gave off. And it gave them a disproportionate amount in the UVB area and plants were looking like they were, you know, leper colony victims because they were being tortured and damaged and, and cellular degradation didn't need any level because the imbalance of the UVB in proportion to the rest of the light the plants were getting. Just like in sunlight, everything's there, but the book ends taper, you know, even in natural sunlight. You see that when you move uh, indoor plants outside, they get sunburn and all. So, yeah, that was interesting. You bring it up that how to, you know, when you explain that it's hard if you're hardening it off by using that like that. That's pretty. That's a real nice tip. I mean, that's getting elaborate too. You know, I mean, you got to really be into growing and that what doing every little thing it takes. You know, but if in the idea of taking it, you know, from a cloning standpoint. That was really great information for people right there to make yeah, them for nurserymen, you know, and as we're we're all going to be moving into nursery or to greenhouses, you know, in commercial world. So, got know, mine, got mine. Make us a light, bro. Market us a light. Take the take the reptile sticker off and put a. <laughs> well, that's what he's saying is the UV diodes don't don't live long. Right. Well, that's okay, but we still if we still need it for that use, you know, and we know it, right? Um, if, if I look at this way, if you want a reptile bulb, it could be on your front doorstep before you wake up just by going on Amazon. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not going to go out and make myself a, a bulb and have it cost more than you want to pay for it because we got to buy a different quantity. <laughs> so, so check it out. In order to, 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 for UV to transmit, you need, or, or sorry, to, um, I'm not thinking. In order for UV, uh, UV does not pass through normal glass. You need quartz, okay? Quartz is very, very, very expensive. So when you're talking about component LEDs that cost you a lot and glass that costs you a lot, and, and they don't last you for a very long time, it just it makes it not feasible. Yeah. Well, as he said, Thank you. We'll keep looking, 
But until it's cost effective and we can offer you a solution that we back and we believe in, we're not going to do it. Our eyes are open. We'll always have our eyes open towards what we can do with LEDs. We, you know, all of our products, we have a, a two-part warranty, five-year uh, mechanical and three-year optical. So if we can't offer that on, on, on this, then, then why bother? No, and I, I love that about your lights, you know, all the LEDs, you know, you guys have are, are long warranties, so. Well, you know, we were the, when we came out with 90% with or better after three years, um, a lot of our competitors said, shut up, don't say things like that, because they, they didn't believe in it or follow it. And on our lights also, we say, if you have one die-out out, let us know, we'll get it fixed. Um, there are other companies that think you have to have 15% of your die-outs out for it to be a problem. Our perspective is if one thing's out, it's a problem. So, yeah, um, you got to back your products. You got to believe your products. You got to use your products. Or you're just schlepping stuff. We don't work that way. Yeah, well, it's bad. That's the way, that's how you get to the top. You got to put, you got to put quality into what you don't become a Rolls Royce by putting in Ford Escort parts, you know, you, uh, you become a Rolls Royce by putting in the highest quality parts with the highest quality uh, materials on the planet, and then you can't. Then you can say we're the best on the planet. The, the reason our company slogan is "Plants don't lie, people do," is of all the great storytelling out there. There's one set of ladies that, no matter what I say, they're right, and they tell me exactly how they're feeling. And those are our plants. You know, if you don't watch them closely and learn by you're not a gardener. If you haven't had your fingernails in there and figured out what's happening and try to understand and be able to recognize what different bandwidths of light do, how they react to temperature, humidity, when they're happy, when they're hungry, when they've been overfed, when something's going on, that's all from being in front of plants and watching plants. So we've done enough laps around the track and enough hands and things to know what happy plants look like. And once you've got that point, now you're like, what else can I do for them? That UV, that little bit of infrared, that but tapered doses, that helps their immune system, helps harden them, and helps them produce better trichomes and flowers. So, yes, I'm going to study it, and I'm not going to stop studying it. But if I can turn you on to a $6 bulb that'll help you, I'm going to do that too. Because we're gardeners who make lights. But if you need a quick fix for a UV thing, it's like Or said, Amazon, Amazon will have it on your doorstep tomorrow. Oh, yeah, and on yeah. that note, I'd like to mention real quick that one thing we love about Spectrum King is they're not just a company that popped up because of the cannabis industry or the vegetable. They, they are a lighting company that does custom lighting for all industry around the world. So, you know, they're not they're not just guys that decided to grow, do a grow light. They were in the lighting business before that and very successful at it. So we and we thank you, Brandon, every time you come on because yeah, you are a wealth of information. I love it because you actually ever almost every time you come on, Steve says, I didn't know that. <laughs> you don't get to hear Steve say that very often. <laughs> well, well, I'm surprised I get stumbled, but hey, I learned something too. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Oh, yeah. we all do. That's the only way all of us get better. We share information and move things forward. So, you know, if there's an LED question that wants answered, Or and I are here to answer. You know, that's, that's, that's how we operate. Yeah, I still got to get with you guys too. I got to not drop the ball this time as I did after the last show and get in touch with you. Yeah, you guys have been our uh, most frequent guests. So 
and uh, appreciate you guys taking the time to come on. You guys have been some of the most informative guests that we've had on the show, and we really appreciate you guys coming on always. Cool. Well, appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks yep. a lot. Uh, if, you know, if anything else pops up or things come along, you know, let us know. Yep. So how, how would people uh, reach you guys and find you guys online? SpectrumKingLED.com. Um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you know, there's Spectrum King on all those fronts. Um, you could call our office too, 888-654-0737. Um, open from 9 to 5 Pacific Standard Time, Monday to Thursday, Friday till 2. Uh, or and I are usually there, but we don't answer the phone after certain hours. <laughs> Just everyone that knows us has our cell phone number, so they're calling my cell phone anyway. So <laughs> by 3 o'clock in the morning, watch, we'll watch. Yeah, call and fuck with us, watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know I always enjoy hanging out with you guys whenever we go to the shows. We always have a blast and end up talking about some crazy bullshit science stuff, and it's always a good time. Yeah, the videos y'all did that we addressed, we looked at as as last time you were on a few months ago, that were cool. Was that Las Vegas? Or was it L.A. show or something? I can't remember, but you introduced your computer. It was, lights. In, Vegas. It was in Vegas, yeah. Vegas. That was a cool video for y'all that look want to look back in the show. Uh, there's some video that Steve and uh, Brandon and Orr did uh, uh, in Vegas at the show and they introduced a really cool situation. I mean, you can literally buy lights from these guys that are Lamborghini there, the Spectrum King Lamborghini. I'll say it wasn't me, but a member of the team can get carried away. It wasn't Orr. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it's no secret that we that we are car people too. You know, me being the nerd with the Prius, the other guys all having you know Mustangs, things like that, freaked out. Um, I have a race car for a simple reason: I would drive it 140 down the street, let alone you know, a track. Um, right. I love driving fast, so I get myself a car that can't do it. And by the way, if you didn't know, Priuses can go 120 miles an hour, no problem. I do it all the time. <laughs> Allegedly. Reportedly, no okay, we'll go with that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's that, it's that one blue haired lady in the Prius in the left lane going 40 that made everyone else think Priuses can't move. <laughs> but uh, you could, you push you push the pedal, it does get out of its own way. It's a fun car. But not fast enough to get me in, like, or in Rami trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think their cars are you know they're about two parts away from being Star Trek and just beaming themselves around the other end of the track so damn fast. <laughs> but, uh, all right, well we'll take you. We'll let you go. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much, man. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys. Love you, man. That was great. Yep. Cheers, guys. Oh, oh yeah, my favorite guys. I can't help it. That's my favorite guys. And you know, like all the time, every time. Um, so, uh, Josh, what have you been up to? Um, <clears throat> watching the plants grow, watering. That's about it. Yeah. Playing with the bees. Trellising my tomatoes, hanging out with my bait, my kid. Peppers are starting to get color, so that's exciting. Um, Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to report. I'm just kind of eating vegetables and been doing a little camping, taking a little time off kind of before the big storm. 
you guys had any fires up your way or no not i mean we're right by the coast there are some fires in the state for sure but nothing uh big that that's that i'm hearing about or seeing in the air um Wow, you yeah. know, I haven't seen much about Washington or even what around Marty, but it's funny because all because I mean it's out outrageous in California, but that's all they've been reporting on. And I to you know I mean it makes sense there'd be fires in Oregon and fires in Washington, yeah, although I think you'd be well away from it where you're at, Josh. But fires up the, there's fires up the whole coast right now. I mean they're happening. They're Washington. just they're smaller. Sorry, I didn't, yeah, in in not as crazy, you know, like. Yeah, they're not infernos. <laughs> yeah, tor 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 tornadoes or whatever they like. Had tor freaking tornado of fire I saw on tornadoes. Oh my! I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, how anybody? I've got friends that moved that moved up in that area years ago, and then they fire started. You know, I mean, they they've always started, but the last few years have been unprecedented. I believe it just it, it just been crazy out there and uh, i just feel real bad about seeing that you know you see all those people i feel like they all got insurance but you still lose all your stuff you know i mean you got a lot of personal family stuff you can rebuild a house if you make it out alive i'm thinking more about you know we got we've got some some ace top of the line like the the uh, special forces of firefighters getting killed because of this kind of fire you know, first responders that are staying between your home and your family and that fire and this fire just ran right over them. And that has, I mean, it happens occasionally, but not like this fire. I don't remember this many firefighters passing, you know, getting caught out there and, and getting killed in a while. Do you guys? No, no, this was unusual. This is bad. This was real. I mean, they got run over, you know, and those guys take it. E I mean, they're in there battling, but they're doing it safe, too. They don't go in there to get burned up, you know. So when they get caught out there, it's bad. That's that's just uncontrollable. It's crazy. Just crazy. But I don't know. All right. That's enough of my rant. And, you know, I just if you have a chance to give a couple dollars to somebody, some organization helping or you know, yep. some kind of fun, give it, you know, give it and help out those families out there. Yep. So what have you been up to, Steve? I've been, uh, today I'm teaching the uh, commercial class here with Charlie and Ken this weekend. So we've been teaching all day. And uh, so that's always fun, you know, especially the commercial class. People are super motivated and usually have a little bit of a background in, in aquaponics. So it's always fun um working on uh, licensing for california pretty close on that working on licensing for canada um, and all the permitting and inspections and security background checks and all <laughs> the different thousand fucking hoops you gotta jump through Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. You got to deal with background checks and stuff like that, especially for, in that industry. All, manage, all management and anyone over five percent ownership. Uh, oh, oh, really? Oh, well, yeah, that's just smart. You don't, yeah, want to, yeah, you don't want to start a business of that, that you know, size and potential with a, yeah, I understand. So they wouldn't give the license if it was a criminal. Is that what it is? But it's as much as a moral thing for your, you know, board of directors too, isn't it? Well, no, yeah, anyone that's management or 
over five yeah. percent. So it's just a lot of paperwork, a lot of making sure that everyone's done what they need to do to file it, and like just a lot of paperwork. A lot, you know, you got to do the security plans, you got to do your, all your SOPs, you got to do just a lot of shit, like a lot, a lot of shit, a lot of shit. <laughs> just an ungodly amount of paperwork so but it's almost over so i'm looking forward to that being over and then aside from that oh shit did i lose internet hello hello okay looks like i lost internet for a second sorry about well, that well josh dropped out so you might have oh okay yeah, it looks like the internet skipped or something. Um, I, I stayed on the whole time. I heard you. and um, well, it, your, it must have been a West Coast thing. You know? Oh, well, it wouldn't be surprising that you're... I'm surprised that you even can broadcast tonight, to be honest with you. I wouldn't have... Because actually, there's a fire close as shit to San Francisco, the way I look at it. Well, it's not... There's one 60 miles north, I think, is the closest well, one. That's pretty freaking close when it's burning 75,000 acres and shit like that. Well, that's not that well this new one that new one hasn't gotten that big yet um oh, okay okay one in redding is pretty far away <clears throat> and they cut well they called one the bench fire i don't know why but they called it the bench fire has been there's a, the one that's the worst i think the car, the car fire actually oh the car fire yes i'm sorry you're right the car fire and then the bench fire that's the one they addressed the most and yep. then they mentioned the other you know but yeah that i saw a video on youtube today where they said, you know, people evacuating on an interstate and the entire mountains behind them were on fire. Yep. I mean, holy shit. <laughs> like a apocalypse. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, see, that's funny you say that because I was thinking it might start making people believe in God. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I've, but you, you said apocalypse, though. <laughs> I've been there, uh, been near some of those fires and it's just it's scary and yeah yeah fun. It's, <laughs> it's a it's you know it's not fun and and it's it's just tragic you know i like i said i, I had a, i had a friend that he actually was my mentor when i first got into uh helping out on cannabis forums in 2005 or 4 2004 2005 and um and he was in around the la area you know and um and i'm pretty sure um and he was he, he knew a lot of the people um dad damn it i'm i'm thinking of was it dennis i want i'm just thinking yeah dennis perone right Den which one what your friend perone what's his first name that passed away dennis yeah I was right, Dennis Perone. That's what I said. Okay. Well, he knew Dennis. He knew Dennis, and because he knew a lot of the people that helped put that bill together, you know. Yeah. And uh, he was a big, big, big time guy at Comcast way back in the day. You know, went all uh, you know the whole West Coast and and Mexico and all. You know, um, and he and and he moved from the L.A. area anyway, and. Um, and the California area where he'd been doing business and living most of his life up into the, up into the mountain, you know, up into the hills or the mountains. And, and it wasn't the second year he was up there after they'd spent tons of money building the house and all that, that a fire came through there and wiped them out. And 
wasn't long after that that his uh this is a shout out to all you old um fans of xandor and at the grow report and you know dope fiend and the dope tribe this is if any of y'all are listening out here you know this is latewood xandor's buddy and you know, I haven't heard from them in years, but they shut down the Grow Report and, you know, uh, which was a private, you know, it's, uh, he was running himself, you know, you know, and then getting, you know, which is a very expensive proposition to run a really high, high class forum community and podcast network. It was the official forum, actually, for the Dope Fiend podcast network, which had like, I don't know, 15 or 20 podcasts, you know, you could listen to out of England. It's pretty cool. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that rant from coming from the fire, but you know, there you know, we're all we've all might have had a little bit of smoke or vape or dabs or whatever, so we tend to wander a little bit. We lost our buddy in Washington. So it's you and me, buddy. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna shoot the shit for people or are we gonna call it a night? Well, I just was gonna say got a couple of other cool projects potentially i can't mention them yet obviously they're preliminary but there's some other cool aquaponic projects that might be happening here soon and um yeah i'm trying to think what else upcoming cannabis class in in august uh the end of august here if anyone's interested in that um and uh i think that's about it um I don't think there's anything else going on. There was something, but I'll think of it. Um, what about um, what about you, Roger? Anything else going on in your? Yeah, pretty much waiting out this. Uh, you know, we're in the time of year we're in hurricane season. Uh, it's been pouring rain here with thunderstorms for three days straight. So we're kind of at a standstill. I I'm doing some um, thinking about redesigning and changing the way i originally designed my my farm to be set up uh which is still only about one third of the way done or actually if i got to everything i want to do it's probably about 10 percent done what i could actually do on this place um it's just i can't get too big you know unless i can get you know workers and all and that's always a hard hard to start out with it's real hard to get somebody reliable that you can trust around your greenhouse and even your, you know, conventional or aquaponic or any kind of outdoor farm, you know, or projects that you got going on. So I have to kind of weigh that. And uh, I think I'm going to do some more demolition. I'm going to try to finish. We're, we're almost, almost at the point where we'll be finishing the fencing to, you know, for, for the dogs to be able to run separate from the farm and, and where we grow food. Um, and uh, I think I'm going to do some demo where I was going to go back from my greenhouse. I think I'm going to demo all the shed construction in the front and uh, open all that up and come towards the street, come towards the road. So that's why I got a big greenhouse project going on for um, I think I'm going to try to do it all and get it done by the end of the year, you know, so that I can get started fresh again you know well i might even be able to start in the winter it depends just depends but i really think i'm going to go into a project here looks like i might be um acquiring um the other the other lot next door which will allow me to expand you know my greenhouse which is one of the reasons i couldn't make any money it wasn't big enough so i'm looking forward to that and if i do that I'm definitely going to be setting it up as an aquaponics greenhouse. You know, I may have some projects over here that are in, in my own mix 
I might even do some hydro stuff. I don't know. I have to just wait and see how it goes. Uh, and I have to see how I can keep fish alive, you know, so it's same kind of plans I've been having. It's just, you know, things, you, as we all know, they, you plan it and you want it done tomorrow, but it takes a lot of tomorrows before you get done. So just hanging in there, you know, but I'm feeling pretty good lately. Uh, things are going a little better. Um, yeah, I've had some, you know, rough patches going on with some personal stuff for a couple of years. And I think we're coming to a, we're going to have some closure here soon. And, and that's going to allow me to get on with my projects. A lot of my projects are stifled right now because, you know, it's, uh, well, just because of some personal things going on, you know, uh, where it involves the property and, you know, this and that. So that's all I can say about that. <laughs> so. Well, it was a great show tonight with uh, Brandon and Orr from Spectrum King. Third time they've been on the show, and we love having them on because we learn something new every day when they're on, and it's really cool. And uh, not to mention, if you got a lighting question, that's the guys to ask. You know, yep. when it comes to the spectrum, they've proven it. It's, you know, I was a naysayer back when LEDs first came out, and I stayed that way for a long time. I started seeing some good results, but then they surpassed all those, even those. So, you know, I'm a, I still use, you know, HID lamps, and I use T5s a lot. Um, I have some LEDs, and I'm building up towards, uh, you know maybe having a try i would really love to do a grow room with just spectrum king and see how it goes so you know i think it was great to have them to remind me i need to get that done you know i need to get a lamp from them on that note i'm, I'm rocking all spectrum kings in my bedroom right now and in yeah. the flowering room right now actually and the coolest thing guys or guys and gals men and women all of all ages they will build you a light to fit your specifications in your grow room uh, no, they got lights for sale. And, of course, you're going to pay a little premium for that. But they will build you. When you say, oh, this one's too big or it's just I wish it was a little lo longer or a little deeper. They will build you a light to your specifications. And, they will, you know, I don't even think they'll tax you that much. But it will be something because it will be a one-off, right? So, you know, it won't be like their production lamps where, you know, they're decent price. They're good price. You know, they're higher than some companies, but they're higher quality than most companies are all. You know? If you need a light, it's a little longer, deeper, thicker, whatever you need. Right. They will do it. And, and they've come up with, uh, and I love it because you <laughs> touch on it, but they've got all different configurations with different size lights that you, you know, they got all kinds of stuff. You really got to check it out at Spectrum, what it was, SpectrumKingLED.com. You know, uh, I'm not sure right now off offhand what all they've got but they i'm pretty sure they keep their site up to date so you'll be you'll be able to go and i think they have a section called either horticulture or agricultural light lighting or whatever uh so it was i remember going and i'm legally blind so i do remember going to their website last time they were on and i thought it was pretty easy to navigate for all you people out there so yeah, going a big shout out for them. They are, they are our, uh, the, our biggest uh, guests at this point. Most three three shows, you know, and I've been on there for all three shows, so I've been really lucky, you know, to be able to talk to those guys. And I'm done. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, next week we'll uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Um, 
Um, we'll be able to be back on Potent Ponics YouTube channel next week. The suspension ends tomorrow, uh, or tonight at midnight. So we'll be back to the normal channel, normal time, and uh, we won't have to use the side channel anymore. So thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll be back for episode 100. And, um, yeah, see you guys next week. Cheers. Good night.